Chris Watkin here, joined today by Rob Wells and his dog, Ted, and he's going to talk to us today about his estate agency journey. So thanks for joining me today, Rob. Thank you for the opportunity. Uh, Rob, you're in your early 40s. Uh, did you fall into a estate agency when you were 18 like the rest of us, or did you kind of do something else before? I was a chef to start off with, okay. and then I, uh, from there I went into sales, selling mobile phones. What, you, when was that? Uh, when I was in my twen early 20s, I first started in sales. Okay. Um, what made you want to go into sales? Was it the money, the, the thrill, or what, what was it? What, you bored of cooking? Um, very long hours from cooking, and uh, I've always enjoyed sales. My, my father was, was in sales as well, and I sort of wanted to follow the same role, really. Okay, so you went into say mobile phones. How was that? Fantastic. Uh, I worked with Carbon Warehouse. Okay, so that must have been around the year two thousand, the early two thousands. That's right. Okay, so were you in the shop or were you going out round? I was in the shop to start off with, and okay. then I became a customer service trainer, and just went there to train all the individuals, the early early teenagers they were when they were coming on board to. Learn about package selling, selling not just the phone, but the insurance, the accessories, etc. Okay, okay, so that was in the early 2000s. So the question is, is um, when did you see the bright lights of a state agency? I know it was 2006, but when did you see it? Did you see it just immediately or had you seen it from afar? And what made you think, hmm, I quite like to sell houses? I love houses. I've always loved houses. And uh, fortunately enough, one of my clients, when I was selling an advertising space, offered me a job to go and work with him as a trainee negotiator. Okay. Well, I did it for a year for a small independent. That was in 2006. Whereabouts was that? Over in Crawley at Greenway Residential. Okay, okay. And and did you love it from day one? Yeah, I did. It was it was nice meeting people and being inspired by people. Okay. And and what what didn't you like about the state agency at the time? The process. Okay. You're not a process man. Not really, no. Uh, You're more of a people person? I'm more of a people person, yeah. Okay, so you were there for a year. 2006, the housing market was beginning to uh, really crack on a bit. Mm. Um, why did you only spend a year at Greenway and what made you move on? I was headhunted to go over to King & Chasemore countrywide. Okay. And uh, I, went to run the, I went to work as a negotiator in the Crawley office. And then I uh, went over to run the Horsham office for a period of time as a sales manager. Okay, what years were those then? So 2007 to 2008, I was in Crawley. Okay. Then, but then the market went pop in 08. Yes. It was a tough, tough market from putting a board up in the garden and it being sold by the time you get back to maybe selling one house every two months. What did you learn during those months, those years of, of the 08, 09 was tough years for a state agency? Got to be relentless. Don't stop. Got to be persistent. Just keep pushing and pushing and pushing. And encouraging your team, you know, when you're, when you're working with a team, we all have our bad days, but you need to make sure that you've got your team around you to support you. What did you do to encourage them when, let's be honest, you weren't selling many houses? Door knocking. Loved it. Okay. That came from selling frozen foods door to door. Just that confidence of leaning on the wall, having a chat with someone, not apologising for knocking on the door, just there to help them. That's quite rare in a state agency, someone who actually likes door knocking. Yeah. Although you're a bit of a rare beast yourself, though, aren't you? I like to think so, yeah. Okay, Thank they broke the mould when they, when they made you, didn't they? <laughs> that's, 
So you're at King and Chase Moore in 0809. What? How did the, how did your career progress in 10 and 11? Um, so I then went over to run the Crawley office, um, and we smashed the targets. And uh, just by rather than dealing with the lower end property, we started to deal with focus on the higher end, and really started to bring back the brand that what King and Chase Moore really was known for back in the day. Okay, and we. What, what did you like about it? Yeah, what, how, what did you do to try and get that upper end market? I just love selling the big houses. It was, uh, I do like selling the smaller houses as well, but I always, I get inspired by people. I'm never one to get jealous, but I'm always envious of if someone can afford that, how did they afford it and how can I then get that goal? Okay, and again, was that through good old fashioned door knocking and business generation? Yeah. So yeah, that was in 11, what, what then happened to your career then? Uh, it just went from strength to strength. Um, I went to, I then after 10 years of working within the corporates and running a number of offices through King and Chase Moore, I went out on my own as well as independent property brokers. When was that? That was eight years ago now. Eight years ago, so that's uh, 2016? Uh, 2014. 14. 14, yeah. So you set up your own estate agency in 2014? Yeah. That was a bit scary, wasn't it? Yeah, very daunting. But he who dares wins. I, I, I wanted to class myself as a property broker, not an estate agent. Okay. What do you mean by property broker? We're exactly the same, but people ask questions. Um, yeah, calm down, mate. Um, the internet's a one-way portal. So when you're up as on Google and someone says, what does a property broker do? It just sets us slightly different to an estate agent, although we're sort of doing the same role anyway. Okay. So... How did that go, setting up your own business? I mean, surely, as I said, you were scared as hell, you know, putting everything on the line, decent job. Yeah. Um, I've always liked to challenge. You know, I like to be outside my comfort zone. I really okay. do. Um, being in a safe place doesn't really get you anywhere. Okay. So you just, you just did it just for the hell of it? I wanted to make my dad proud. My dad was a very successful businessman. He was involved with a very big company buyout when I was in my, in my early teens. And uh, I think like all of us now, we were like our dad's proud. Is the affirmation, have you, do you still have your father? Yeah, but we don't talk now. Okay. Was it, was, it, was it important for you to have the affirmation of your father at the time? Yeah, 100%. Okay. Some people say if you go looking for these sort of things, they never come. Did, no. did, did, they ever, did it ever come? Did through lockdown. Funny enough. Okay. But um, I think the way you have to look at it was I uh, wanted to make my dad proud, but ultimately I needed him with me to do it. And okay. I think by building that relationship through business, because he was a businessman, that was the only way I could do it. What did you learn from him? Be, 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 be firm, but be fair. Okay. So... This was 2014, Rob Independent, Rob Wells Independent Estate Agents, Property Brokers. How did 16, 17, 18 go? First, first few years were, were always a, were the, was a challenge because you were a new brand. You know, people wanted to go to the, the well-known brands to start off with. Uh, fortunately, I've been living in Horsham for 40 years. A lot of people knew who I was, well, 35 years back then. And I had a pretty good reputation, I like to think, so people use me. Okay. So you set up your agency in 2014, it was going really well, but I'm led to believe a couple of years later, you were having a bit of a rocky patch in 1617. What happened there? Costs of running the business and taking so long for exchanges to happen. 
Um, I had to then get a secondary job, actually a third job at some stages. Um, used my chefing skills to start doing outside catering and doing dinner parties at people's houses to bring a bit of money in um, to pay the bills. And then um, I just started working as a partnership with different agents, local ones that I used to work with who went out on their own as well. And then in 2019, it really started to went bank. We went really well. We started to sell a lot of houses again. What did you learn by, you know, normally after a couple of years, you should be flying. Why do you think in hindsight it was tough? I was lonely. I was working on my own and I was, didn't have a team around me. And my ADHD really did, did kick in because organisation and dyslexia is formed part of the ADHD and the mental health. So I was all right talking to people, but putting pen to paper was always very much a challenge. Do you think in hindsight those, um, I don't want to use the word disabilities, but those things that are you, are, are Rob Wells, the fact that you have ADHD, held you, not held you back, but, but basically affected the way you ran your business? Yeah, ADHD is my attention to paperwork is nowhere near as excited about making a deal happen. Okay, but that's most estate agents. You, you turbo. I was turbo. Do you think in hindsight, if you had your time again, you might have got to like an assistant or something just to backfill the, your weaknesses? Yeah. That was my... Were my, you aware of... Were you self-aware at that time that you were shit at that? I, I was always terrible at paperwork. Okay. Any, any employer will tell you that re, re, even when it was doing the mileage and my allowances and bits and pieces, they were never on time. Yet my phone bill would be through the roof because I'd be talking on the phone all the time. And, you know, that really did affect your life though, didn't it? You know, having to take not only two jobs, but three jobs. But what turned it around that all of a sudden in 2019 things clicked and you did start to sell? What, what, what changed then? It's almost like it was really shit and then really good. So back when I was in Crawley, um, we used to all drink at the Jar Jar Bar on a Friday night, back in the, back in the day when we all went for a pint. And I was good friends with James Gordon at Power Bespoke. And uh, they used to ask me on the odd occasion if I would sell a couple of properties for them at Power Bespoke. And I was about to jack it all in, and James said to me, why don't I go and work with him for a period of time? Okay. So I had a meeting with Perry. And um, things went literally from strength to strength. It was just having one person believe in you, knowing that you were good at your job, just accelerated me. So what was, the, what was the relationship between you and James in terms of business then? I don't want to know percentages, but did they, did you go, was your job to put the house on the market and then they sort all out the, the admin crap in the background? That's it. So I was, I was the front man for, the, for Wells Independent Property Brokers as, and we were partner with Power Bespoke and they would do all the paperwork for me. And in return they got a percentage of the fee? Absolutely. So 2019 was flying? 2019 was flying. Was it one of, some, one of the best years of your life, do you think? I would say two twenty, uh, yeah, two, yeah, two thousand nineteen, two thousand and twenty were definitely the best years. I, I, I was making significant money, a lot of money, but spending a lot as well. Okay, what were you spending on? Alcohol. Yep. Holidays, drugs. Um, yeah, it just went down a dark hole after a period of time. What the the, the success? You you you. You knew what your weaknesses were. Yeah. You went into partnership with someone who filled those weaknesses. You were doing really well, but by doing well, other demons came at, yeah. 
other demons came in. I'll be brutally honest with you, Chris, I fell in love with someone. It didn't work out okay. for a number of different reasons. And through lockdown, not having that bounce back and having the banter anymore, things just went to pop. Were you going down that dark, were you, you know, with, 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 with the, the alcohol and the drugs, were you going down that hole before COVID hit? Um, yeah, uh, the first time round, I, I took, a, I had a, an overdose on, on uh, Boxing Day 2019. So that's just a couple, about a, two months before COVID hit. Yeah. Okay, and that, but things were going really well in the business. Yeah. But it's just that you went to excess. I literally was going probably 10 times more than I would have normally done. Okay. Well, it was um, Boxing Day, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah, absolutely. And you love enough, I love my boxing. But, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was that loneliness. You know, I was at home at Christmas with my family. My mum and dad were there. My sisters were there with their partners, and I was there with my dog. <laughs> you know, uh, not this one. But um, yeah, I just, I just, I felt lonely, and that's what this job does do to you sometimes because you are like a human punch bag. Do you feel that, we, as a state agency, it is a, a huge emotional roller coaster? I mean. Does it really fuck you up when you lose a listing? Like, it, like a knife? It does most agents. I'm, um, I don't really lose that many, if I'm honest. Because okay, but, I don't, but I don't shut up, that's why. I think they signed a contract just to get me out. Okay, but how do you feel when you do lose something? I ask the question, why? Because um, that's normally most estate agents, it's all about, if they lose, it's the end of the world. If they get it, great. And there's an imbalance between the emotion of losing versus the emotion of gaining, which I've always found strange. Although I used to be an agent myself, so I know what it's like. Sure. You like, sounds like to me that you're a slightly different beast. I, I just like to understand. I need to. I'm an overthinker. Okay. And if it, the f rejection is one of the worst things you can get in my in my world, and so you still don't like the rejection. No, I yeah, but it sounds like you're being quite scientific with working out what the rejection was. It's where I need to focus my attention on, on what I need to do. Okay, but did you take it that rejection personally, or did you know? Did you beat yourself up, or did you say, actually, I could have done better, and I'm going to do better on the next one? I remember an instruction I lost once, and I asked the question why, and he said, "You're not very literate," and that really resonated with me because I knew that, but I could still sell plenty of houses in that road. Why? How did he judge your literacy? Because I didn't have a PA at the time and I was writing my own email back out. Okay. Which, back in the day, I had um, Power Bespoke used to check out my emails just to make sure they weren't too aggressive or full on, like sometimes they can okay. be. Are you a sort of person who's a million percent or zero percent and nothing in between? If I don't want to do anything, I'll stay in bed. Okay. If I'm going to do something, I'll go for it, but it's no, like you say, there's no, if I've only got half an hour to do something, and I know it's going to take me two hours, I won't start it. Okay. Even though you you can eat half an hour into it and do another hour and a half later. Yeah, that's not how my mind works, unfortunately. So, you're with Power Bespoke, they've filled up your, your weaknesses, mm. um, but you were still feeling lonely because unfortunately the, the, the love of your life uh, you, you weren't you weren't there, and you took that quite personally. Although again, I've never been there myself, but I'm sure mm. well, probably as a teenager I, I did. But <laughs> and then COVID hit. Yeah, COVID nineteen changed my world completely. Because would it be fair to say that your estate agency was a, almost like 
because of the conditions, the condition you have, you need to be out there with people, talking to people, being the Rob Wells we know and love. Yeah. Did it really like being cooped up? It was almost like being in prison. It was like being in prison. It was literally, you are, when you work, when you have a social media business, in my mind, it's called a cell phone for a reason. You're in a cell. You're literally, it's a black screen. You've got four walls around you. There's just you talking to a computer screen. And I think that's why, or, or mobile phone screen, and that's why I think I struggle so much with text now, is that when someone sends a text message to me, I don't know how it's actually meant to be said. Because of the tonality. That's why when you send a message, you always seem to send a message as a voice message. Yeah. Because then I know whether someone's upset with me or someone's not. Okay. So what was first lockdown like then? What what? So the first lockdown, um, I smashed it. Best year ever. So uh, the first year was fine. First year was absolutely fine. So 2020 was bang on. Because there was no one to talk to. I just wanted to get out and about. I was selling an antigen test to other agents at a period of time, so we just carry on doing open days. So we would, we would give clients an antigen test just after the open day, just to make sure that they were safe afterwards. We'd get text messages to confirm that they were happy and secure to do the, do the, the, the viewings. And um, Were you selling houses at this time as well? Mm. But you were, because you're a bit of a businessman, you thought to yourself, I'll get some antigen tests. Yeah, a friend of mine, he worked for, he set up his own business selling uh, antigen tests. He worked for the NHS. And um, I jumped on board. Luke Sinclair actually bought a, a, some off me as well, uh, who you know. And a couple of other agents did as well. And it was just a case of trying to keep everyone safe but keep the housing market going because we needed to. There's so much money that comes in off the housing market. Mm -hmm. It's not just... Okay. Okay, so sorry, my correction was my 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 pardon because I thought that, that your lowest point was the t 2020 lockdown. It wasn't, so it was a short, sharp lockdown for about eight nine weeks. Then, when we had a cracking market, was it the 2021 lockdown that really yeah. left you up? Yeah, I I, I did nearly I needed, as a as an independent independent agent. I did over two hundred thousand pounds in one year. Um, that's the best year I've ever had, and. And we set up a, 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 um, a land and new homes department, which, were, which was handy. And we also set up a, through being in lockdown, I set up a company crew to view to help people who were furloughed, along with my company, COVID-4, which was creating opportunity virtually for independent dreams. Okay. But what, what happened in 2021 that was different then? My partnership broke up with Power Bespoke. I wasn't, um, I'd invested a lot of money into my business and uh, they were friends of mine that I gave a job to um, because they all got furloughed, some were in the aviation, some were in the hospitality. Um, they didn't have any work whatsoever and I was earning such good money in the year before, I thought, well, if I give 10% of my fee away for them to come in and do some work with me or if they refer me properties, rather than going down the likes of some of these typical online estate agent, which is where they have to do the whole job, or list your house and get a thousand quid or pay a thousand pounds, because my fees were between 10 and 20,000 pounds at times, I could afford to give a thousand pound or 2,000 pound out of my fee to the person that referred the property. Okay. And that was their sideline money as a self-employed referring agent. Yeah. That didn't go well? It started to, but then unfortunately you can put the wrong people into a business. Okay.
is it wise to bring your friends into business with you? I think you can't put everyone under the same umbrella. I think there's an 80-20 rule. I think you've got to work out who fits into your community and understands you. But I think also people don't understand what it's like to set up a business. They don't understand what the first five, six years is like, the pain that goes in before you can start paying people money for coming in to work for you. But you said they were self-employed. Were they expecting payments even though they didn't do any work then? Well, I'm a kind guy, so I gave them a little retainer to start off with, okay. just £1,000 a month for some. And um, so I had a PA at this time because we weren't able to go into the office, into the hub. So I recruited a friend and actually she was very good, very good. Um, we then employed some more people or recruited some more. And we set up this platform that they come on board. We had a top, we had a top five, as it were, and they would all earn 10% of their fees. And then if they then bought people on, they would then get a further 3% of what they were earning, a bit like the model that you have with EXP. Mm. Um, so we set it up that way. One of the, um, but one of the recruits that we had, she was the front line, as it were. And um, yeah, she was there to just bring in more and more people and hopefully we'd end up with sort of 50, 60, even 100 okay. staff. And this was in 2021? Mm -hmm. But it didn't work out? No. Why? Um, an individual started talking about the bank account details to another member of staff. And I had to, I asked him once to stop talking about it and did it again, and I had to ask her to leave. Uh, when she left, I sent a very good email to her, well, I thought it was, to say she was very good at the job, and maybe it was worth speaking to her, her friend who was an agent up in London, or maybe speaking to Perry, because I just needed a break. I was broken, literally broken. But unfortunately, the email was misconstrued out to the rest of the staff, and the rest of them left with her. So I had to start rebuilding again. When, when was this? What month in 2021 was this? If it's going back, this is into May, June. Okay. Just as lockdown was coming out. Mm-hmm. Started to take some more property on again, or land. Okay. And then ended up in the Priory for a week. <laughs> was, again, was that just excess of alcohol and drugs? Due to a breakdown. I was absolutely exhausted. I was literally, I start work at four o'clock each morning. I then finish at 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock most nights. I was setting companies up because I was smoking so much. It just opened my mind. And it just, every time I, I had a remarkable, I just wrote down a new business idea. And I thought, right, how can I start spinning money on this one? And then I bought out another company, and then another company. And then I bought out Sabanek as well. Do you suffer from shiny object syndrome? I used to. I used to. I used to have, have, to, have to have all the latest gadgets and gizmos. Okay. What did having the week at the Priory teach you? Was that the lowest point? Yeah. Yeah. 100%. You, you're stripped of everything. You've got no contact with the outside world. Can't even read the newspaper. You've got, you've got no idea what's happening. It's almost like being in a big brother house, to a degree. Okay. But they teach you to stand on your own two feet but they also tell you what impact you're having on people's lives and how you could be affecting them in acting the way that you're acting. And I had a really harsh letter from my sister, which broke me, really broke. Was this before or during or after the Priory? That was in the Priory. That's the reason I came out of the Priory. The letter that my sister sent in killed me.
How long were you supposed to be in the Priory then? Four weeks. And I was in there for a week. And I realised that the, the my, I was in there for smoking cannabis. A lot of the ones who were in there were for drinking and for cocaine. I was actually in a room next to what was Amy Winehouse's room and Johnny Depp's room. And uh, we watched a film with Amy Winehouse one night and it sort of regimented with me quite a bit. She always loved her relationship with her dad, like I did. Um, and we'd just get older and we'd drift apart. But then when I went to, after a week of being in there, and I just couldn't handle being in there anymore because I'd had a contract with clients to sell a piece of land and a house, and someone entrusted that with me to do that job. And I couldn't sleep. I couldn't get myself better whilst I was there, whilst I was thinking about a job that needed to be fulfilled for my clients. Okay. So I checked myself out. I watched, I sponsor a Mai Tai boxer, George Jarvis. It was his fight night. And I went, I'm not staying here. My boy's fighting tonight, I'm gonna watch it. Check myself out. And I've never spoke to my parents since. Was it your parents that put you in, the, not put you in, but paid for the primary then? Fortunately, I got the insurance, free booper, and uh, which was, which has helped me out. And no, I put myself in there. Okay. Without praying too much, what, 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 why aren't your parents talking to you at the moment? So, <coughs> along my journey through lockdown, I was getting death threats. Um, some to my door from my neighbours, because they didn't like me going out, networking at the South Lodge Hotel, where I do a lot of my business. And, um, but then I was also getting some death threats online, who I don't know where they were coming from, and still to the day, I don't know where they're coming from. Okay. And um, one evening it just got so bad, I just pranged out. I went out for an evening. We just signed up a new singer who did the track for the last house we just sold, which was Booth Road. And uh, just bumping into people and being the social butterfly I am. One tequila, two tequila, three tequila. And before you know it, however, all I remember this last evening was just chatting to a guy that I'd never seen before in my life. And in this glass, single on its own, on a tray, handed to me. And I don't remember a thing afterwards. The next thing I know is being in my car, at my old flat, not even at my house, being arrested by a police officer. And at that point I realised there was a problem. Arrested for what? Drink driving. But I don't know whether I was drugged or not. Okay. What happened then? Lowest of my lows. Sitting in a police cell, picking off the blood, picking off the paint at the bottom, trying to cut the wrists. It was just a dark, dark place. Never in my life would I ever think I'd be arrested. Um, but to, it was, I was not just in a cell at home, I was in actually in a physical cell. Okay, when was, what, what month was this? This must have been just before I was due to come and see you. Last which, time. Which was? October, I think it October was. October 21? Yeah. September, October, yeah. Okay. You're obviously in a better place now. Mm. What did you do? What did you do? You'd hit the bottom. Mm -hmm. What did you do to bring yourself back up? Get back out there. Get back on the horse. Okay. And I um, um, moved back home for a period of time. Okay. So you were still talking to your parents then? No. No, no. They... Uh, we had a fallout because they took my dogs away from me. 
Um, I mean, your dogs are very important to you. We know that. Dogs are my world. With ADHD, everything's backwards. My God is my dogs. You spell God backwards as a dog. And this is this is one of the youngest. I've got Bear, who's the who's the who's the dad. Mia's the mum. I've got Baby Bear, Ted. I've got Polar, bipolar, because she went. That's like me, I guess, to all right. And I've got another two now. Oh, no, sorry, another three: Yogi, Koala, and another Polar. Okay. So they're all my bears. So you moved back home, but your parents aren't talking to you. No. I mean, so, you've got to, you've got to admit at least they gave you some shelter. I moved back to my home. Oh, your home, sorry. My home, yeah. But I, they were they had my they were meant to be looking after my dogs, but they put them into foster care while I was in the priory. Hence the reason why Mia got pregnant again. But you got some beautiful puppies from it, so I got some amazing puppies. It's amazing what chat up lines you can have when you're standing in a hotel saying, Do you want to come back to my hotel room and see my puppies? <laughs> Literally. How do you hope to um make things up with your parents? I'd love to. I I literally try and ring them every day. No, this, this, what do you mean literally? Do you ring them or not? Oh, ring them, text them, just... I made a mistake. And unfortunately, in my opinion, the generation above, or some, again, going back to the 8020 okay. rule, don't understand mental health. Do not understand it one bit. The, the, the need, the... If you're fortunate enough to have a very close relationship with your family, you probably don't really understand it, or you may ha understand it to a degree. I can't speak for other people, I can only speak for me and my journey. But I was a middle child, they always class it as the middle child syndrome. And I felt, personally, I didn't get the attention that my sisters got from my parents. Do you sp still talk to your sisters? No. Do they fall out with you at the same time? None of them, none of my family talk to me now. How does that make you feel? Sick, low. Okay. Um, when you're down and dark, it's really dark. But when you're high and about, like, I've checked myself out of the priory, and, and when I was in my in my house, my house for a period of time, and had nowhere to go, I sold everything I owned because I had nowhere to go. Because of having a business and not having the best credit rating. I wasn't able to go and get a deposit on a, on a property, so I had to go and check myself into a hotel, which was the spa that I used to work at, or the health club I, I used to work at, at South Lodge, where I do a lot of business, and I network with people who've got million pound houses, two million pound houses, and that's why I always got the high-end clients. And putting aside the family, because again, hopefully that can sort itself out. Mm. I know you've got your wonderful dogs, which you say if you didn't have your dogs, you wouldn't be here today. Absolutely. What are you doing to help yourself with your ADHD? Every morning, I have 15 minutes in the sauna, 10, 11 minutes and 11 seconds in a cold lake, just watching the, watching the sunrise, be grateful for what I've got. And where did you learn this from? Picking up different books. Um, I read a great book, Burn the Bullshit, by Stephen Duran, and I also okay. read The Secret, so I try to live my life by The Secret now. Which is visioning what you want and just manifesting. Okay. Interesting you say about the time. I noticed that when you send me messages, it's always three minutes, 33 seconds or two minutes, 22 seconds. And you're interested you say 11 minutes, 11 seconds. Why, why are you so particular about that? 
I think your eye picks it up. I think it's it's because um, I've picked it up. Mm. I've always liked the number three. My late um, number thirteen is actually my lucky number. Okay. But number three, I think is one of the most powerful numbers you can get. Back in my day, back in the day when I was clubbing, if you turn a three to the other way around, you have an E. I used to live on them. Turn it the other way around, you've got a W. Turn it the other way around, you've got an M. But turn it. It's just a very powerful number. You like patterns. Do you think that's part of your ADHD? Yeah, definitely patterns, sequences. 1111 is an angel number. And when you take your own life, or try to take your own life, and realise you're a failure, you don't fear anything. I don't fear anything at all now. But you're in a better place now. So mm. apart from reading a few books, I'm going in cold lakes. What else are you doing to be in a better place? And what are you going to do, secondly, to ensure that you don't slip back like you have done in the past? So I'm blessed now to have two amazing PAs. Two amazing PAs. Paige, who put me up over Christmas when I had to move out of the hotel because I couldn't afford to stay there at Christmas because it was at Christmas rates. And then um, it wasn't practical because there was seven of us. <laughs> and uh, oh, Sorry, my seven dogs and her and her, her son in a two-bedroom masonette. So it was only a short term. And then my other PA, Rachel, she then put me up for, a, um, was gonna be a couple of nights, and then it ended up being like a few weeks, and she'd become my PA. She's an ex-estate agent as well, so I understood the process. And uh, unfortunately, Summer Grasson, he'd been there, so I had to move out again. So although this very good-natured, sort of the earth person put me up overnight, someone decided to stitch me up, so I had to move out again. With the management company? Mm -hmm. When was that? Five days ago. Okay. So you're now back at the hotel? Back at the hotel. Cost of a fortune. Okay. How are you paying for that? Fortunately, I've got good friends, but I've, I'm owed a lot of money. But unfortunately, because, client, because contracts weren't done, I's are dotted and T's were crossed, had some issues, had delays with completions going through down to solicitors not doing their job as far as I'm concerned properly, and estate agents not doing their job properly as well, not doing financial checks on clients. Okay. So fortunately, very blessed to have some wealthy friends who've helped me out. I've got one client at the moment, which basically what happened was because I was in such a dark place because I knew I was going homeless, we were going to be homeless soon, I just started drinking again, hit the bottle. Didn't touch the cocaine again, but just started drinking. Didn't smoke. My parents didn't want me to smoke cannabis anymore, but I just drank. And when I drank, I could drink a bottle of tequila, a bottle of vodka, two bottles of red wine, probably half a, ca half a case of Stella. And what? then the police would turn up. What, in one night? In one night. And the police would turn up and they would think I'm absolutely fine. I realise I'm just a little bit drunk. But they'd actually sit there and have a conversation with me. But I was sending video messages. I was introduced to Loom. Sending video messages because people wasn't people weren't listening, they were only hearing what I was saying. There was a difference, mm -hmm. and I was saying that if you don't follow up what you say you're going to do, people take their own lives, and I would push myself right to the limit. What's the future for Rob Wells? Being back where I am now, I've I've been at the lowest of my low, and you can bounce back. If you watch Tyson Fury, one of my biggest inspirations, that's why I like boxing, it's a good way for me to release my anger because my bark's worse than my bite. I've never been in a fight in the street, never. I'm a lover, not a fighter. 
but I box to release that anger, release that aggression. You're a human punch bag during the day. And I was saying earlier, people think it's so easy to sell a house. We don't sell houses. We've never sold a house. I've never sold a house in my life. What I've done is I sell myself to get the instruction and then create the commercial that gets the attention for people then to buy that house. Which I know what you're passionate about, video. And what are you going to do to ensure that you don't go down those dark alleys that you seem to just keep my mindset right? Not have the blame culture. It's not it's your fault. It's not you know, it's my fault. I made the decisions I made. What can your friends and acquaintances do to help you? Just be there for support. I think when you when you lose everything, when I mean, and I mean when you lose everything, Chris, you know who your friends are. When you've got a lot of money, people just want you. People just, the phone calls I get, can I lend them this? Can I lend them that? Can you do it? Because the Facebook world and the Instagram world is this fake world of people going, they, it's only a snippet of a day. That's why I do, that's why I did that also many Facebook Live through lockdown of when I was in a dark place. Because it actually showed the true representation of what life can be like behind the closed door when I'm not working. What would your message be to the people who believe in you, even at your darkest point, that they're happy to pay for you to go into a hotel? I am my lifetime. I literally am my lifetime. If without them, I wouldn't be here. And the strangest thing about it is some of the people that actually helped me out never actually met. Some of them actually just through saw what I was doing, raising money for cancer research, wanted to reach out, saw me as an honest person and lent me the money. And one of the frustrations I have right now with one of the clients, we had a sale going through at the beginning of March. Agreed, £700,000. On the market, £800,000. It needed a lot of work. The banks went out and did a desktop valuation, valued it, didn't bother going out to go and have a look at it, valued it at £700,000. My client became ill, my client's mother became ill. We had to stall the process so she'd go focus on her mother. We then had to go out. We were due to exchange contracts on the 15th of October, and that was when I was going to put my deposit down for my new property because it was a good fee. However, the conveyances hadn't conversed properly, didn't realise there were two titles, only one title. We had to then get another mortgage to be done. So we had another, had another surveyor go out who then didn't honour the 700,000 like he did, but bearing in mind there was two titles instead of one title. He felt the property was valued 40,000 pound less. So my client went crazy. I went crazy because I was then battling with the banks to say, how dare you? Rob, thanks for your insight today. Um, I appreciate you put a lot on the line, so thank you. And I hope everyone in the state agency and the lettings have learned something from this. Thank you for the opportunity, I really appreciate it.